The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. I struck by the way in which the words to Mary echo those words of Isaiah, well, the Lord's words through Isaiah to King Ahaz all those ages earlier. Emmanuel. The sign is Emmanuel. God is with us. The Lord is with you. There's the echo that is there. There's also in the words that that lead in, hail full of grace. There's sort of a backwards echo, if you like, that what we're hearing of Mary is the opposite of what's going on in King Ahaz at the time that the sign is offered to him. Mary is completely disposed to that grace, completely open to what the Lord is pouring out, whereas Ahaz turns away, closes himself off to that gift of God. We've talked about him on different occasions. You have a very worldly king in the midst of kings of Judah, most of whom have at least done what the Lord wanted, walked in the ways of the Lord, even if there were things they didn't do, Whereas Ahaz is one of those who did not walk in the ways of the Lord his God. Very much a man of the world, very much a man who believed that what got done was what he would do himself. And there's that distinction between kind of the spiritual, prayerful aspects of life that Isaiah is calling him into and the practicalities. No, 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 I don't want a sign. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. You're in the midst of your fear. You're overwhelmed by your enemies. You need some hope. You need some light in the midst of your darkness. Look to the Lord. Ask him for a sign. That's wonderful direction by Isaiah saying, you know, if it's as deep as Sheol, so as deep as the grave, as the deep as hell, or as high as heaven, ask him for something bold. Ask him for something great. Because he wants to give you a sign. And Ahaz says, no, no. I'm not going to tempt the Lord. I'm not going to put him to the test. And it's one of those frustrating things for God with his people. No, they are not to test him by doing what he told them not to do and seeing what will happen, but they are to test him by doing what he said to do, to see whether he won't bring the blessings that he promised to open their lives to him. But no, no, Ahaz is too proud and he turns away, but Isaiah says, the Lord will give you a sign. And it's the sign of the virgin. It's the sign of the child who is to come. It's the sign of Emmanuel. And if you remember the rest of what follows in that, in the next couple of chapters in Isaiah, the king turns away and the people turn with him. It's one of the reasons that such a burden is laid upon those who are in leadership, because they lead either people either in godly ways or away from the Lord and have a lot of influence on them. The people move into ever greater darkness under a king who is stumbling in the darkness. They look heavenward only to curse at God and to blame him for their troubles. But they can't hear his voice. They can't see his presence so they begin to explore the occult. They're looking for something 
to show them light, to show them hope. And all the way through, Isaiah says, the Lord is present with you. He is Emmanuel. This is the land of Emmanuel. He gave you his promises. You've come to those promises. He has not turned away from his people. His people have turned away from him. And again, you get to the end of chapter 8 and into chapter 9, and there's that promise that those who walked in darkness, on them has a light shined, has a light shone, that the gift is there for those who will look to him in hope. And the gift, wonderfully, is not, as Ahaz imagines, kind of a spiritual thing that has no real practical value. It's about as practical and incarnate as can be that the gift God is giving is a child, one who will be born in the midst, one who will rule as king, who will open the way for his people, who will be that light in the darkness. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. The Lord has not abandoned his people. They have turned away from him. But his light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The Lord is with us, Emmanuel. So the angel comes to Mary with those words, the Lord is with you. But likewise those words hail full of grace. I said it's kind of the opposite of what we're getting in Ahaz. In Mary is this complete openness to the grace that is poured out. It's what she has lived in. It's the context of her life from the beginning. We go back to that immaculate conception where by the grace of God there is the removal of the separation and a life that is immersed in Him. Some translators render the phrase full of grace as you're highly favored. But full of grace is the most literal sense of the words that are there. Kikaratomene. It's a perfect past participle of the verb keratao. But keras is grace. And keratao is really to grace. But when you get it into that participle form, it's, it's really the one who is dwelling in that place of grace, who has the superabundance of grace who is immersed in that grace of God. And when he goes on to say, you know, you have found favor with God, well, what you have found is charis, it's grace with God. What do we know of grace? And this for Ahaz, who is not going to take that which he can't somehow lay hold of himself, somehow purchase by his efforts. Well, grace is the free gift of God. You can't earn it. You can't merit it as such. However, you have to receive it. The Lord continues to pour out his grace to his people. Ahaz turns away, but Mary opens her heart, her mind, her soul, her body to this gift that the Lord gives. We hear those words in Hebrews. When Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. I've mused before on when you go back into the Hebrew, as the psalm comes up, there's the language of the digging out of an ear 
as it comes to us through the Greek, it's the, it's the body that is prepared. They're intimately linked to one another. Because you think about the one who is the word of God. How does he enter into the body? But through the ear, through the hearing. Mary attends to the word of God. She receives that word into her soul. And the eternal word is conceived within her flesh. The body prepared on the one hand is, of course, Jesus, the the carpenter of Nazareth, that, that physical son that is there, but the body is drawn. The nature is drawn of the very body of his mother, and the two go hand in hand. The body you have prepared is the body of the mother, from which is drawn the body of her son, and that body prepared to be incarnate the most practical response again to the ancient need, to the ancient request even of King Ahaz. I need something practical here. Well, this is as practical as it gets. The Lord come in the flesh, the Lord with us, really and truly with us. He is bone of her bone, flesh of her flesh. Words that ought to be in our head echoing the creation, and the woman who, the first woman who is drawn out of the first man. And as they behold each other, those are those words. And here at last is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she is drawn out of man. Well, now, now the new Eve, out of her is drawn the last Adam. And he too is bone of her bone and flesh of her flesh. And when we celebrate the Annunciation, we're never to lose sight of that. Something of the gift that the mother is to us, of the very flesh and blood of the one whose presence we celebrate on this day, the one whose presence we know always as Emmanuel, God with us. The ancient hymn, Eva became Ave, she who was that mother of all the living. A real incarnate and practical gift of God. A redemption that comes not not simply of the spiritual. Not as it were to pluck our spirits out of the prison of our bodies, but to redeem the whole person. I think of St. Paul in his words in Romans 8. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through His Spirit who dwells in you. That our lives in this world, the whole person, might be enlivened by eternity. That we might become very temples of His indwelling, as was our Blessed Mother. As Mary was from the Annunciation, as she in her, behold, the handmaid of the Lord, her fiat, her yes, opened up in full docility that life to the indwelling presence of the Lord, to be filled with his grace, to be filled with his life, to be filled with Emmanuel. He really and truly dwelt in her womb as his tabernacle, his ark, his burning bush. As the angel's words echo the Lord speaking through Isaiah, so her words, her fiat, 
Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. As those words echo those of her son, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Lo, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the roll of the book. Especially in the times of crisis, especially in those times where we, like Ahaz, feel really out of our depth and despairing of anything that we can do or we can find in the world around us to help, especially in those times where to know that our help is not just in a prayer cast off into the darkness to someone who might help, but to the Lord who is with us, tangibly present, incarnately present, Emmanuel. If we would open our lives to his grace, he would manifest his life in and through us, that we too might be living sacrifices, magnifying his name. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. God is with us.